0: It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio
1: on ESPN Las Vegas.
2: All right, here we go. co and company on a Thursday. JVT's in the studio. John von Koval, Finley Toyota Studios. We're getting ready for Thursday night football, or are we? A lot of outcry from fans all over social media about the matchup here. We'll get into these prime time matchups and also the uh, totals on the matchups, uh, especially down the uh, well, it's not really down the stretch, but uh, since week
3: five. Uh, Damon is here as well. What's up, John? Uh, I'm not gonna lie, Steve. I feel like my brain is splitting in half, uh, but not like the normal hemisphere thing, but like you know, like actually kind of splitting in half. Uh, I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I I feel like I'm ready for a break, but I'm gonna persevere, Steve, because uh, our job's not really that hard. So
2: yeah, Um, I'm hearing that from a lot of people, and we threw out the theory, which is not unique or the first time you have ever heard it. Actually, I didn't, I didn't throw it out, but Adam Hill did the other day. Uh, I came into part of the show, and I just asked everyone. As it was getting dark, I was over at Parkway Tavern on Tuesday, and, man, when it got dark, it got dark quick. And I looked down, and I'm like, it's like 5.04. Do you think that's part of it? Adam threw it out there that a lot of people get kind of sour and down
3: because it just gets so dark so early. That might be it. I mean, I don't feel down. It's more of I actually have had a lot work-wise to do over the last week, so that's probably a little bit more to do with it. I will say, as the parent of two young children, when it gets dark early, you have hope earlier That's like, oh, cool, it's almost bedtime. And then you look at the clock, you're like, oh, dear God, it's only 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right around the corner. Oh, man. When do they go to bed? Uh, bedtime in the Montobel house is about 8.30. Is that early or late? I have no I idea. I don't know. I mean, I think that's a solid time, right? Like, you know, brush your teeth, say your prayers in espanol. Read a book, go to bed. What are you trying to do with the Espanol? I mean it's What's going just, on here. It's Isabel's thing. So Okay. Yeah. I mean I've you know, tried I'm to kidding. Te- I've tried to teach them American, but yep. she's not about that life. She's anti American. Yep. Yep. It's yep. been one of the big sticking points in our relationship.
2: If you don't push to have your children learn two languages, you're a moron. Of course. And especially Spanish. Yes.
3: And today's I, day, I am an
2: idiot and my parents had no idea back in the day, but uh, taking
3: French waste of time. Do you know French? No, I don't know anything. Even though you your parents are out there in New Orleans, right? No, they like, they still live in New Jersey. Oh, no, we go we go visit. Oh, New Orleans t- with Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay, I forgot about that. And, well, just, and, and, and frankly, there. they
2: don't really speak. It's not like a French that's a good fluent point. Yeah, town. That's there's a good point. there's a French history, and there might be some people who speak some French, but it's not Montreal. You Mon- can tell them Montreal there. is French. Yeah, Quebec is French. Like. When I got a chance to visit to uh, Montreal for a couple of UFC events, like there is an absolute different culture, and there is a snobbery in certain
3: places where they're like, nah, we're not We're not speaking English. Sorry. That's good. good. Okay. I mean, my knowledge of the South is I learned, I think, six weeks ago that Texas shares a border with Louisiana. Had no idea. Is that right? Yeah, I had no idea. Like, I, I once I was told that in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, the little long part that sticks out to the East, like that makes sense that it would share a border with Louisiana. But it just, yeah, just never crossed my mind. Sure. Haven't looked at a map recently, though. Well,
2: we find out with Hurricanes that they're kind of, well, when a hurricane hits New Orleans, they're kind of sister city or a sister city with Houston. And then Houston gets hit with hurricanes, so I don't think they can go east to New Orleans. But a lot of New Orleans folks for like moved for years to Houston after Katrina, and many of them never went back. Wait, is Houston to the east part of Texas? Houston is, I guess... A little further east. It is very close to the coast.
3: I, th- I thought it was like smack in the middle of Texas. No. I had no idea.
2: No, 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 no.
3: So, anyway. I'm learning I don't know everything. I
2: don't know why we're doing the geography, but that's what we come out with. Um, we will get to UNLV's basketball opener last night, men's basketball opener. Woo, that was not good. A lot of things to break down. But as we enter a weekend, a big weekend of college football, you know, we're going to talk to Michael Felder later on, and I'm going to definitely pose this question to him. Are you worried a little bit about Michigan down the stretch here, the players being distracted by all this outside noise with this cheating scandal?
3: No, not at all. Because I think if there's a guy – and look, we saw Kirby Smart do this with Georgia last year, okay, wherein when they won the championship, I forgot which Georgia player told somebody in all seriousness, they had us going 7-5. and five like, no, nobody did. (laughs) You were a massive favorite, and nobody expected that. Um, Not even the most ardent Georgia hater thought that. And in the same vein, I think Jim Harbaugh is one of the best coaches to turn this into. You see what they're trying to do to you? You see what they're trying to do to us? They're trying to derail this season? It's us against the world, men. Let's go out there and let's kick some tail because they think that you got here by cheating, and that's not the case. We don't throw
4: fish back.
2: Wait, what?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> Actually, the Harbaugh family phrase is, attack each and every day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they got that one from Dad. Did he get that tattooed on his chest?
2: Uh, up on Yahoo! Uh, Michigan, 10-page response to the Big Ten on Wednesday. Says here, uh, Yahoo! writer sets the stage for an un, uh, unprecedented legal battle between the school and the conference over sign-stealing probe. Warns Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti against what it describes as premature disciplinary action. So you knew this weeks ago that they were going to lawyer up, and this will be a battle that goes on for years, which brings us to the fact or to the uh, storyline out there. uh, While I joked a couple of weeks ago, if I were in the CFP room, I absolutely would be bringing up the sign-stealing allegations as a reason to rank Michigan even higher. Hey, they know the opposition's game plan. I I think this is going to fizzle out now that the opposition, if everyone didn't know about it uh, at the beginning of the year, they found out more about it and how detailed this thing might be with this guy, stallions traveling the country and sneaking on sidelines. So the lawsuit doesn't surprise me at all. Um, And I don't mind considering it in terms of handicapping games, as long as you don't feel like the Wolverines are distracted by it. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if I would go as far As Greg Doyle, who's what, indie star, columnist, who said, uh, Heisman, a vote for J.J. McCarthy will not be happening from him. Right.
3: Because of this. Not because J.J. McCarthy totally doesn't deserve to win the Heisman. (laughs) I mean, I'm so, I'm amazed by this because... Look, J.J. McCarthy is a very good quarterback, and he has improved greatly from last year to this year. If you look at the weaknesses that he had, if you look at it from any other metric, he's clearly, like head and shoulders, the best quarterback in the Big Ten. However, he's not the most outstanding player in college football. I I would put Jaden Daniels over at LSU ahead of him, Bo Nix over at Oregon, Michael Penix Jr. at Washington. So I think it's actually really lazy to just go, oh, quarterback of the best team in college football. He's got to win the Heisman, right? It's not the case. So... I think it's kind of grandstanding from Doyle to be like, I would never vote for J.J. McCarthy. And it's like, well, yeah, because he probably shouldn't get your vote anyway. He shouldn't win the award. Still has the same effect, though. You oh, can make it
2: You can make a small argument that he deserves it. Oh, I mean, look. They're still not- alive now before he loses
3: a game. Sure. And look, if J.J. If McCarthy won the Heisman, there have been worse Heisman winners out there. I just think if you look at what Michigan has done to this point, what has brought them here – and what other guys around him are doing, I don't think that the Heisman, which goes to the most outstanding player in college football, I don't think that label belongs to J.J. McCarthy. I think that label belongs to three or four other guys I would give ahead of him. So that's my logic here. And I, I even think if you look at Doyle, if you've watched college football, and Doyle, of course, in a Big Ten state watches college football and watches Michigan, you would assume, you understand that too. But you generate more clicks and headlines when you go, I'm not going to vote for him because of what they did. Sure, but you probably weren't going to vote for him anyway. So it just gives you a bigger platform so everybody can click on the article or give you a little bit more traction. Damon.
4: 100% with JVT there. He's definitely not going to win the Heisman unless everyone else around him collapses. But it, but it's, you know, the the grandstanding, as he said, of I'm not going to give him my vote. You weren't going to do it anyways. Who cares? Right. He doesn't deserve it. We all know that based off just, you know, stats and merit alone. You don't have to bring him into this which is largely a defensive cheating scandal, too. So it's got nothing to do with J.J. McCarthy, as we, as we know of right now. Mm-hmm.
2: I forget what week this came out, and we know the, the schedule wasn't filled with a murderer's row of teams, although the schools that I cover and follow are two of the best teams on the schedule and both right. bowl eligible and actually have – I will point back to this again – Rutgers and UNLV have run the ball on everyone. That loss last week, Rutgers ran for 220 Dude, was crazy. On, on the Buckeyes. Uh, UNLV has a bad game rushing. It's 156 and 159. Uh, they're still at like 175 yards per game. They could not move the ball a freaking inch against Michigan. If you were in the CFP room, I don't even know how to phrase this the right way because they, they still won easily. But do you basically invalidate what they did at the beginning of the season and then only examine what's happened since? And I, I think another good discussion out there, and I think Hugh was doing it last night with um, – who was he on with? I forget who he was on. Is it Emmett? Uh, Golden. Golden. Uh, they brought up the fact that, hey, a couple of years ago, Harbaugh was not the most popular guy in Michigan, and then something happened. And Michigan is really
3: good at the last couple of years. I – I don't know if sign stealing gets you that far ahead. I think it gets you something. Like, I'd ask you this. If you were to equate it to points of an advantage, how many points do you think that adds
2: to you as a team? It's hard to say because I don't know how detailed it was. I don't know how much they really knew the plays. Because would you um, agree? It, it's certainly with, with, with certain teams, if they if you can stop the run, if you know where they're going, what the blocking scheme is, it changes the whole look of the game. Um, You know, especially if they've got to throw more down in
3: distance, so it's hard to say how detailed it was. But, but, so what I would ask is, like, so do you agree that every team tries to do this to some extent, right? Uh, Yes. So, and it's not that I'm not saying the what about them. My argument would be, so if every team tries to do this and it gives you some sort of advantage, even the length to which Harbaugh went, how much more of an advantage does it actually give you in some of these games? Even if you want to equate it to like a ten point advantage, which is pretty solid if you're getting ten points of an advantage from stealing signs and you look at the way they beat their opponents early on, it's not making that much of a difference in terms of wins and losses. right? He's still winning those games. So I I think that there is something to this. And again, if he broke the the rules, which seems pretty clear in terms of the way that he went about stealing these signs, then yeah, they should be punished. But in terms of the actual advantage it was given to them, I find it hard to draw lines through some of their wins early in the season because of it. Have you
2: seen the stories claiming that now – Schools are helping the opposition of Michigan week to week by giving them Michigan signs. It
3: really worked for Purdue.
2: it didn't. <laughs> Can I tell you Michigan is playing Penn State this week? Yeah because two of the schools that were accused of it were Ohio State and Rutgers if and Greg Schiano coached at Penn State, it's you know very infamous because mm-hmm. he was around with, around when that creep was around uh, Paterno mm-hmm. and Sandusky. Um, if I found out that Shiano was giving Tips to Penn State. I'd want him fired.
3: Well, that's the thing, right? It's. Okay. I would want him. I I'm done. Super likable program, Penn State. Let's rally around the Nindy Lions yeah, and help them out here. <laughs> There's, well, because but also here's the thing. I'm, I'm and, kidding. I
2: don't right fired is strong, but I would be really pissed. Say, off. He's doing a pretty good S- job. This screw game.
3: Penn State. No, of course. But that's the, when you're when you're looking at the situation because it's been brought up in multiple like where, like college football analysts, whatever it is. In the world of college football, if you give anybody truth, I, I mean, heck, Barry Odom, for example, if we give Barry Odom truth serum. You think when he was in the SEC, he, at least, he wasn't at least calling some buddies that he had in the SEC. He's like, hey, we're playing Arkansas today. You know, you got anything here? Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, that kind of so, communication happens all the time.
2: By the way, this goes back to the beginning of the season, right? Remember when things started going a little bit south for Colorado? Mm-hmm. And who was it? Who was, uh, who was on skip staff? They were outraged. They're like, "I Keyshawn. It was Keyshawn. He oh, was outraged right. to find yeah, out right. that staffs might be sharing some information with the opponent that week of Colorado. Never heard of this! Really? Happens all the time. And they're the former players. Right. And this group didn't play in the NFL, so we don't know what we're talking about. And we don't have measured takes. The closest okay.
3: I came to D1 football I was stepping on that practice field watching you UNLV. So it's so
2: outrageous. <laughs> it's so outrageous. All right, topics uh, we'll hit during the show today. A lot of college football with Michael Felder next hour. We'll get to some preview of the Jets and Raiders, and while... A lot of people in the audience are like, Ugh, what is that game? Yeah, well, look at Thursday Night Football tonight. If you haven't realized, it's 3-14 and 14 squaring off the Bears and the Panthers. But we'll try to make it interesting. But on the way back, Rebels come out of the gates. Basketball team for UNLV. That was a rough one.
3: Now,
0: back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio.
2: On ESPN Las Vegas. What a weird feeling at the Thomas and Mack last night. I did the TV call. Matt Never was play-by-play. I was doing color, and hey, you saw what happened, right? They got outplayed badly in the first half. They were down to Southern forty to twenty-one. They they cut it down a little bit in the second half. And anytime Southern needed to respond, they did. I think maybe the lowest got to was sixteen or thirteen. If they had gotten a stop and a couple of threes, it could have made it interesting in the last two minutes. But uh, No, they were beaten. it. It wasn't a fluke. Southern had, I think they were 11 of 16 on layups and four dunks beyond that, so that's 15 bunnies. And they were, what, 11 of 18 from three? Mm -hmm. Where's my box score? Right? They finished the game 11 of 18 from three, 61%. And after the game, you know, Kevin Kruger commented on it. Uh, Frankly, just surprised with the looseness of the defense and the effort.
1: You know, both closed-door scrimmages were – were great showings by our group, and uh, and so to kind of come in and be on our heels like this, and, and and just kind of not be the same team, and show the experience that we've that we've had, and or that we have, um, is kind of what's a little surprising, I guess. Um, make no mistake, that's what it's what Southern did. Uh, you know, they came out and they threw haymakers, and they threw haymakers, and uh, they they never let off uh, their foot off the gas, and and we just kind of we took a little breather there, and 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 that's what ended up being the difference.
2: Yep, two big runs in the first half because it was nine nine at one point. And then all of a sudden you look up and they're down like twenty two. Yep, it was quick. They could
3: not stop the run. And the the crazy thing about that like first avalanche was it was kind of a mix of everything. It was bad defense. It was getting sped up by that press and then turning the ball over. It was bad half court offense and all of those things kind of happened together in one stretch. And then you blink, and I think it was that what eleven nothing run or whatever it was that they can never get themselves back out of. And that was kind of the surprising thing: is it happened quick, and then Southern just kept them at arm's length pretty much the entire time.
1: Yeah, I think we were, we were sped up across the board. We were sped up, um, and and that's what again that's what you have when you when you're timid, when you're a little when you're overthinking. Sometimes we we can get a little you can get a little sped up, and uh, that's what I think was our issue in the first half. We were just uh, we weren't just playing; we were thinking too much. And, and again, it's because. Uh, all the credit goes to Southern.
2: And on defense, defending the pick and roll.
1: You know, oddly enough, uh, Hold on we second. struggled in the, in the so, scrimmages. Give me
2: your take first on defending the pick and roll.
3: Uh, it wasn't good. And I thought initially at the beginning, I thought Cottrell actually as like when he was in the pick and rolls as the big he did a pretty good job. He had a block early on. Was contesting shots. He had a good sequence where you called him out too because he had a he had a block shot where he went straight up, blocks with the left hand. So you think, okay, initially it started off pretty well, but then you started to get into it and you look at it and you were like, all right, well, big Carl Jones when he was in that center, those pick and rolls were really really bad. Uh, he didn't really know where to go. A lot of times where he either overplayed or was too far back. So then when your primary point of defense, like point of attack defender fights over a screen, there's a big gap between him and the guard, so you just use the empty space to shoot. He either overcommits to one side, and then you get to some of the others where I thought it was um, – who was it there? Was it Whaley, Rob Whaley? When those Rob Whaley, Carl Jones pick-and-rolls happened, that was bad. It was crazy. Yeah, I-, I thought they scored on almost every single one of them.
2: Yep. That's a combination they're going to have to work on. And here's the thing, and I'm not making excuses, but I think their best inside player and rim defender – is Caleb Boone, and he was suspended last night. It was his own doing, so he'll be back. And Shea Noel is arguably one of their top four defensive players. Mm -hmm. He was out. I don't know when he's going to be back. It shouldn't be super long, but he rolled an ankle. So they did – they were without two of their – Noel's kind of a five-position guy, four-position guy. So they were without those guys. So that's why Whaley and – Big Carl had to be in there, and then. But here's the thing: then they went super small. I looked out there at one point. I think it was Whaley and Jalen Hill playing the five and four, and with a bunch of guards, wasn't that better? I watched a, I watched a a two guard setup with a pick and roll, and Jackie Johnson got lost. So it's you know, five eleven and six ten, yep, and they're getting lost.
3: And I do think to your point, like when you look at overall the ability of this roster at its full strength, you're going to be able to switch a little bit more. You're not going to have like Jones out there and having to play some drop coverage because he can't switch there because he's just going to get eaten alive if he goes on the perimeter. So if you look at it at its full strength, this defense should be better once you get everybody out there. The problem is just, hey, as you move forward, it's kind of what you're going to be dealing with right now, right? As you mentioned with Shane, if the ankle is going to be like out there for a minute. Well, then guess what? You've got to learn how to play with a true big defensively and I know that's not kind of really what they want to do, but it just looked like out of place. It looked like that was kind of the first time Mm -hmm. that they were doing that, and that's kind of troubling.
2: Petrall did a better job. He wasn't perfect, but he did a better job, and there were a lot of times he kind of covered both positions for that split second, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of that open space, and then made the adjustment. Um, Fire this now. This is Kevin Kruger. with He had a – I mean, he explained it. I I was actually surprised he was so forthcoming because I think he was so frustrated that he realized after, he's like, well, that just didn't work.
1: You know, oddly enough uh – we struggled in the, in the scrimmages guarding the three-point line, and we wanted to uh, make some adjustments. And, and clearly, uh, it was the wrong direction. Honestly, I don't, I don't know much more to say than that.
3: How about that? Wow, clearly the wrong direction. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's somewhat open. You'd Like some more detail on it. I think he knows what the details are there. That yeah. maybe he just doesn't want to disclose. But it is pretty frank in the terms of your evaluation of this team. So I, I would say too. There's probably a lot of sky is falling. If you evaluate. Oh, there was a at, ton last night. Right. Yeah. And if you evaluate like where you're at in terms of availability for the guys that you're talking about, yeah. and overall, just being the first game, there have been plenty. Of, I mean, last time I checked, Michigan State lost outright, right at the beginning right. of the, the year. The darling of all the yep. sports right now, James Madison. <laughs> right. On fire. So I, I think everything's going to be okay.
2: We'll get to what this loss means. We'll also talk about. The, uh, I guess, arguably the biggest star on the floor locally, believe it or not, is a true freshman. And DJ Thomas will get you a better idea how he did in his debut. Thursday, every Monday, just get started, Cofield and Company. We go at two o'clock to hand it off to the National Football League. Wow, Nevada basketball getting some time on around the horn. Oh, how yeah. about that? Now we're going to talk to Shannon Kelly about Batgate. And I don't mean a baseball bat. There were. A bat, bats flying around Lawler. Maybe it is time for a new arena. That better come through. That's an old building. Where are the bats hanging out?
3: I mean, there's nothing else to do there. Oh, here we go.
2: These old buildings, you never know. <laughs> that's right. Cavernous is. <laughs> be careful before arenas. you take shots. There, there, there could be a bat flying around the court at the Thomas Mac, too. I thought there was it's Not one. like that's it's a 15-year-old building. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, Wemby. God, where did I see the tease? I guess I saw something up on social media, and it was like, Wemby hits the big time! Like, here that's we the, go with the so New bad. York arrogance about the Mecca. He never arrived until he stepped foot on the Madison Square <laughs> Garden floor. So, the Knicks took care of him pretty
3: easily, right? Yes. As did the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> like, it's like this is what's going to happen. Took care of them. Yes, them. San Antonio. It's not all Wemby fault fault. Uh, but, this is, look, the Spurs aren't a good team. They're playing Jeremy Sohan at point guard. They're experimenting. They're trying different stuff. So, like, this is what you're going to get. But... When you play at the Mecca, you get a little bit more extra attention. So he was asked about it yesterday, about playing at it. Yeah. And, and this is why in today's day and age, I stick up for the athlete. Because the overall thing was like, oh, it's a beautiful arena. But then he hits him with the quote of, it's not as big as I thought. It's, a lot, it's, it's not as big as I expected was the actual quote. right? And of course, everybody's like, what are you saying about the Mecca? What are you trying to do? It's like, no, relax. What does that even mean? And why would you get offended? Of course, because, Steve, you have to d- – even though even though New Yorkers will tell you that they don't care about what you think because they know they're in the greatest city ever, you've got to genuflect every single time we talk about Madison Square Garden, which is above a subway station. I'll, I'll never forget. Um, have you been there? I've been – I got out at Penn Station. You and-
2: never went into the arena? No. It's a cool arena. Sure. But it's old. And it's not very open. No. It's not – you know, they tried to try to open it up a little bit more, but in terms of the corridors and all that stuff, it's very old. But – yeah, there's a feeling when you're in there, it's cool, and then you settle down, and it's like any other arena. The, the, you know, if the Knicks are good, the fans are loud, if the Rangers are good, the fans are loud, just like anywhere else. Yeah,
3: so. But a you gotta, there's respect.
2: a lot of history there, but you're not going to walk in as some French dude and be like, holy crap, this is the biggest thing I've ever seen. What are you talking
3: about, Steve? Over there in Europe, do they even have electricity?
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> what's, what's going on here? <laughs> no, like, I think that's that's probably actually part of it, too, is you expect him to be odd, like you have to be. It's It's New York, and it's like, Well, France has some pretty nice places, too. And I've played in some pretty big basketball games in my time as a basketball player, even though I'm only 19. And, you know, when you hear about it, you probably do expect, like, some 70,000-seat arena that's massive and (laughs) sprawling and not above a subway station. Can I also say really quickly, because this quote, shout-out to Malika Andrews. Did you see what she did with this quote? No. My guy Dave McMenamin taking some shots, some strays. I hope everything's okay. She presented the quote. Quote was, it's not as big as I expected, to which Malika Andrews during NBA Today followed it up with, yeah, sometimes, you know, you're disappointed and you say those things. Wait, what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> you want to
3: explain the connection there? I believe the rumor is that her and Dave McMenamin are together. So, yeah. I don't know. She sounded so disappointed when she said it. And it drew reaction from her coach How host. do you know she was talking about McMenamin? I mean, you don't. But there's the disappointment in her voice and the follow-up, I, I just assume. That's a, that's a solid, I guess, joke. Of course it is. Solid very good. jab from a woman. That's good. Honestly, I didn't think she was capable of it. She's a very buttoned-up professional. Didn't think she would be capable of a joke like that. How okay. was Wemby in the game? Uh, not great. I didn't watch a ton of it. I think what – so the thing with Wemby is, like, when I've watched him, and at times it's going to be there, he greatly impacts their defense a ton. But I think a lot of people remember the massive showing he had against Kevin Durant and the Suns that we Twice. talked about. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was once. Twice. Twice. The first game, he did have a putback that put them within, like, what, one or something like that, two, whatever it was. Um, but the second game, he was great. But he's not that skilled as an offensive player, and he's not that impactful on the court, and there's going to be growing pains, just like we talked about, right? So you're going to get the massive showing against Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns, where he hmm. leads them to a victory, and then you're going to get consecutive games against Indiana and New York, where you're not that impactful and your team gets blown off the floor.
2: A more mature season, Chet Holmgren, has been better. I would say so, yeah. Okay. I was All just right. looking at his numbers.
3: He's at uh, about 17, 8, and 2.5 and blocks a game. So I was on the, well, and I think that's heavily weighted too, by he had seven blocks in a game the other day. But I would say this because I was on the NBA bet stream um, for Thunder and Cavs yesterday. So I got to watch a ton of Holmgren, and he was in foul trouble, so he didn't get to do a ton. But his skill set as an offensive player is great. You know, he can hit, he can get in the lane, he can finish. He can do some like nice little moves and create his own shot. Wembenyama's not entirely there yet, but I think Holmgren has been better. But to Wembe Yama's a minus four dollar favorite to win Rookie of the Year, it's insane.
4: Um, I actually have that with my dad. Like, I got to talk to my dad a little bit this week, man. And um, I'm praying to guy that that uh, something can happen that he can get out and uh, come to one of these games, man. I I didn't want to make this public, man, but like, the, our criminal justice system is right, um, and it's something that I, I need to probably be a little more vocal about, because um, what he's going through is not right. Um, and he called me this week, and we got to talk, and the people um, were reform are helping me a little bit, but just letting it be known, man, like, now it's not just my dad's situation, but uh, criminal justice is corrupt.
0: Xavier Pope, lawyer, host of Suit Up News, legal and cultural contributor. He is live on Cofield and Company. All
2: right, let's bring in Mr. Pope. Xavier, how are you? John is here. It's Cofield. Damon as well. What's up, buddy?
0: What's up, Damon? Steve. Um, uh,
2: CJ Stroud is up. You heard him on the way back there, and his uh, dad is incarcerated. I think he's, I think he's got 38 years uh, total yeah. on his charges. So, what do we know about the situation, and um, you know, how important is it for CJ Stroud to kind of put himself out there as a young guy?
0: Oh, well, I think that um, part of this is CJ just hadn't talked to his father pretty much most of his life, and is coming aware of this issue just on a personal level. So, I think that's pretty intense. You know, having to make it through and how his father going to jail, the family was put in financial difficulty and him making it through that. So props to CJ's trial for that off the top. Um, a lot of people in his shoes didn't have not been able to do that. The statistics are daunting, um, but uh, the charges against his father are pretty, pretty significant. I, I, I don't know uh, at this point, what the possibility for clemency for him uh, exists and whether uh, C.J. Stroud is able to use his position in that community to be able to do so. But um, that team still isn't a winning team consistently yet. He's still uh, young, and there are different things he has to do. And So I don't know whether he's going to have necessarily the, the, the power or the wherewithal with all to be able to maybe change the circumstances of his father. It's just a sad situation, but it's, it's great to see C.J. Stroud to succeed in, in light of those circumstances.
3: Xavier, what's the response to somebody who would say, they're criminals, who cares?
0: I think that people who who do that uh, don't understand the statistics in terms of wrongful convictions in this country, number one, and also on some of the circumstances that put uh, African-Americans in jail and this phenomenon of breaking up families and having many uh, athletes uh, come up in a situation where they have a single mom. So I think that people need to have a heart, maybe understand the facts uh, that are going on, and obviously victims – are important to be able to understand their stories. But if you're going to criticize, make sure you get all the facts behind the situations before you come up and rush to judgment for a young man who's been able to succeed on the next level.
3: It's part of a bigger picture too, right? Because I think people just view the criminal justice system as punishment, but there should be a reform aspect to this. Like, we don't want to lose these people entirely. There's some people who actually want to change, right?
0: Yeah, people want to change. I mean, you're talking about people actually being reformed and getting out of prison and, and things of that nature. I think that, uh, there, there are many questions remain in, in terms of wh- what is the, the purpose of serving uh, long sentences and what they do to the person and how people can come back into society and be productive. Um, that, that also still is going to butt up against people who are victims of violent crimes in our country. Uh, and I think that that's important to hear their stories and be able to, uh, to recognize a punishment for people that have been wrong, by um, uh, those who run afoul of the law as
2: well. Xavier Pope is with us. All right, let's continue on a bunch of NFL topics. First, my lord, the NFL, either with uh, scheduling buffoonery or just a lot of bad luck has been hit with just garbage in primetime. This week's primetime games, the Bears and Panthers tonight, they're three and fourteen combined. Uh my Jets and our Raiders on Sunday night football, and then Denver. Buffalo's good, but then Denver on Monday night. And the, you know, the crazy thing is. I guess you could say, "Hey, we love good defense." Uh, I know you're not a big better, but the uh, the last 13 prime time games, going back to week five, the under has hit 12 out of 13 times. I mean, they, not only are the matchups been bad, they've delivered with really low scoring games.
0: Yeah, uh, excitement! Get ready, Steve. <laughs> get the popcorn. Get, get all the snacks ready. Get in front yeah. of the uh, get in front of the TV. It is prime time time yeah. action, we're, to we're the gonna... National Football League. Uh, I guess no fun league is applying to these games because uh, I don't think that anyone's going to watch them on a level that you would see for a primetime matchup. Uh, Definitely uh, something that I might be snoozing on.
2: Well, the other thing is we're we're essentially being made to pay for almost all the games. So I don't know how you control a football product. I do think it's very weird what's going on around the league at quarterback. Um, I wanted to get your vibe on what people think of uh, Bajent, the undrafted kid from Shepard, um, and Justin Fields. I wonder how uh, Chicagoans feel about their quarterback, Sitch.
0: I think people in Chicago are honest about what happened, and they're not like a Chris Collinsworth or some of these idiots. Uh, I've heard of Sports Talks Radio just today. And they were going over the, pheno- the weird phenomenon, wanting to root for this, this underdog over the guy who has – far better stats this year. The stats of Bajan just doesn't line up for him to be a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Uh, and so this is one, This is the best uh, career year for Justin Fields in terms of his offensive stats. He's been amazing. Uh, it's just that people are looking at sometimes black quarterbacks and not giving them the opportunity to succeed. Justin Fields was pretty much uh, – you didn't see that in Chicago. Uh, and so I think that there's this weird uh, great white hope about Bajan and taking over this job and, and then also to talk about the Bears tanking um because they want to move on from Justin Fields and so it's just a weird situation all around from a franchise that just really has hasn't made a lot of great decisions and not doing well right now
3: wait there's there's no way people think Bayesian's actually good right
0: I you, 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 what, what happened the last game what, what was it? I can not remember who that was who said that uh Justin Fields need to be watching tape of Beijing to be able to learn from him.
3: Uh, oh, it was Collins. No, Xavier it was Collinsworth, and then Beijing immediately threw a pick like 30 <laughs> seconds later.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Come on. You know, so that, that's the type of talk we've been hearing. It is it, it, complete lunacy. I mean, Beijing is not a. Look, just look at the stats. The stats are right there He that he has the same amount of interceptions as Justin Fields. And Justin Fields. That's far more touchdown than base. It, it, it doesn't line
3: up, Steve. It reminds me of your Jets last year. Mike White was the guy to build around. How yep. many touchdown passes does Mike White have this year? None.
2: Well, he's not playing. Exactly. But, but it was the love of the backup. It just it gets absurd. Yeah. Um, how about on the coaching front? Because uh, JVT's guy uh, Frank Reich is not off to a good start. He's got a weak team with the Panthers. But you know, Steve Wilkes actually pumped out a 500 record last year as an interim, and I don't think he got a sniff as a head coach candidate from Tepper.
0: I mean, just consider what happened with him when he was in Arizona. <laughs> you know, Steve Wolf got destroyed the stick a couple of times, and that's just part of the course in terms of African American coaches in the National Football League. It's the same old story. It goes on and on and on again. It, it, um, again, my friend. It, people keep singing it, and then they kept singing it. So that's what keeps happening in the National Football League right now, it, it, and it's it's a problem. It, it's. It's right out in the open in terms of some of the performance you've seen in some of these coaches. We just had coaches left town who've had opportunities to fail over and over again and hasn't been able to deliver every every stop he's been in.
2: Patriots are terrible. They're 2-7. They haven't and been this bad in three decades. Yet, there could be some teams out there like the commanders who want to make a splash, make a change, may trade for Bill Belichick. Would you trade – equity assets for Bill Belichick?
0: I think so. Uh, if you're a franchise that really hasn't done much, uh, it, it, at the very least, you're showing your fan base that you're doing something and you give, you, you give a good five-year runway. Cause if you get Bill Belichick in town, you're not going to say, Hey, win games tomorrow, even though the expectation might be there, you're still giving him um, s- some runway to be able to change the football, a culture of that particular franchise. And so I think that you do that, you buy yourself some time um, to be able to make certain decisions, and uh, the Patriots haven't been bad in 30 years. Uh, People will talk about Tom Brady and and success and and what's happened since he's left, but the the remains to be seen as it's one of the most winning coaches of all time.
3: Xavier, that's crazy. You haven't watched the Patriots game in the last three years, huh?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they've been hard to watch. Uh, They they haven't been a good franchise. They they have rolled the dice and, and. Come up short, um, but if you are the commanders and you haven't been successful since they had a, a, a black quarterback play, playing court, not, and I'm not talking about the guy who who messed up his leg. I mean, I think that that that's, you you make some make a splash to be able to do something that's different. I I, I think that it's worth doing it if you are a franchise that's not
2: doing very well. Xavier Pope is on Cofield and Company here on a Thursday. Jvt Cofield and Demand on board. Eagles, your choice in the NFC, or uh, who else could be in the mix? I mean, they, they didn't blow away the Cowboys, but they got them. Um, Niners are not healthy. Is it Eagles or Bust in the NFC? E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles. Absolutely. Uh,
0: that, that team was right there on the precipice last year. Uh, Jalen Hurst is an absolute... Leader on, on that on in that team, and there are a few guys you could say that, that the team genuinely loves the guy, and will run through a brick wall for him. And I think that Jalen Prince, Jalen Hurts is that type of guy for that team, uh, and that that makes them a dangerous team. And to be able to stay stay solid and keep pieces around him to be successful, I think I think the Eagles are, they they definitely are to me going to come out of the
2: NFC. Alexander Pope up on Twitter. So one of the big battles the last three days uh, you have been waging is against this statement. Don't vote. It doesn't matter. And you've been telling people repeatedly, cut it out. And you also, I, I think you, I got the feeling from reading your tweets that you think this is some orchestrated effort by someone to try to dissuade people from voting in very important elections. And really all of them are, especially local. But is there some concentrated effort to get people to just give up and not vote?
0: I think that there's voter suppression in a variety of ways. Um, disinformation has been part of social media, uh, and at, at the very least, making people think that there's some sort of equivalency to both parties, and people's lives won't change. In some of the laws that are passed, uh, that, that don't matter. And there's maybe only one election that matters—the presidential election—and nothing else. Uh, all the different other forms of. Uh, Offices that people have to vote for, referendums and things of that nature. And there's a lot of people that are misinformed. More information has entered, but also more opportunities for propaganda to exist. People to speak the bias that 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 that, uh, that supports their viewpoints. And I think that's the issue, Steve. And so I was talking about this on the time I went viral talking about people voting just on the on the heels of an election. And so and and so it's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of disinformation has to be battled again and then when you see a platform like now x uh when that's that's coming to the top with those blue check marks it's hard to find legitimate sources to be able to direct news especially when things are breaking we saw that with with uh, israel hamas how all the flood of this this disinformation on the platform we're seeing that over and over again and part of it is also going to be voting for this election. And going in 2024
3: as well, Xavier. That's why I thought what, you know what the NBA does now regularly. A lot of people don't realize it, but like the other day, they took the day off. There were no NBA games on Election Day. And when people asked, like, "Hey, why aren't there any NBA games today?" I was like, "It's because it's Election Day." And it's a good way to at least put it out there. People learn that it's Election Day. Leagues should do this more, right? Not just the NBA. More of these leagues should get involved because you have a lot of eyes on you.
0: More, more leagues should do it. More employers around the country should do it yeah. so that people are encouraged to vote instead of choosing between putting food in their mouth and, and going off to vote people should have a paid holiday to go vote I mean this is pretty basic this is something that we could do to be able to support a democracy I don't, I don't I don't see where, where anything is wrong with that uh, to be able to increase participation the only only reason that you would do that uh, I, I, to maybe to make people not vote as much as they should I, I just think that that's something that should be a national on local holidays people to get out and vote
4: come on your thoughts on 2024. Uh, Joe Manchin is trying to ruin the Democratic Party by deciding not to rerun, not to run again. He's a shadow Republican, and I think everybody knows it. Okay, sorry. I didn't.
2: I didn't mean a storyline. I meant you voting.
4: Oh, shadow Republican. Oh, I, I, sorry. Uh, yeah. I
2: thought things were set in stone for you in 2024. Are you out?
4: Oh, am I going to vote for myself? Probably not. That's not what I mean. Stop. What's happening? What are you, you asking? What are you asking me?
2: Are you voting in twenty twenty four? I thought you said uh, the other day. You, you think you're out? You're not No, voting. but
4: I can I can give you my still my still thoughts. Oh, of course what I think you can participate yeah. in the
2: process. Yeah, the the open discourse. Yeah,
4: okay, but you're not going to vote. No,
2: okay, Xavier.
0: Demond, come on, man, Demond. After all the sacrifices of our people, people have like fought and died, our ancestors, to, for us to get the right to vote. At the very at the very least, if you don't agree with a particular candidate. You'd still have to play defense against the rise of bigotry uh, and fascism in our country and also uh, pay attention to all the different offices that affect you directly in your, in your, in your municipality, your state, your county. Um, get read right up on it. Look and see what matters to you and, and make informed decisions to be able to vote. And you don't have to actually vote for every single candidate on a ballot. Like hey, you have to vote for everyone on this ballot. You can choose to not vote for certain candidates on a ballot. Um, locally uh, or nationally, so don't just say I won't vote. Uh, say I will be taking being be informed, and pick the candidates in which I may choose to support or not. I think that's a much more comprehensive way to look at looking at a ballot and voting.
2: All right, there you go, hundred percent. Okay, uh, <laughs> let's close out with this. Um, I saw you know, you're not this old, but uh, I think you have, you know some history here. Um, you put up a video of uh, like a so, old school soda shop making a Coke. And you made an interesting comment. <laughs> well,
0: I asked whether there was cocaine in it, you know, because that they said they, because the the article with the soda shops that they sell the original formula and they make it the original way. They show them like you know spraying things from one machine into another. I'm like, okay, is this the original original? Or and people started responding, asking the same thing, and so I wasn't alone in wondering whether this was a soda machine that really uh, got you bubbly or not.
3: There's yeah. booger sugar and old Coke.
2: Old, old, old. Really? Yeah. I didn't or, know that. Like original, original Coke. We're talking early twenty like- early twentieth century. Yeah. Yeah. Not the '80s in LA where you know Coke was a little bit rampant. Cocaina. Yes. Oh, nice. What do you got going on this weekend, Xavier? Uh I don't
0: know. Oh, there um, we'll see. You know, I'm just and, and, and living my life and enjoying it. Uh, That's I, a good I, guess. I mean. Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm thinking about thinking about those plans. Maybe go
2: see my mom. Yeah, let's do it. Get the get the menu together. So I will be doing more Christmas decorating. Um, This morning I hung up my 36 stockings, which with care. My plan is to eventually 36. Yes, yes. One for each cat, Xavier. Yes, we'll uh, we'll have to discuss this down the road. It's it's a new strategy of uh, decorating the house. So. So <laughs> everyone out there will be waiting with bated breath for next appearance next like Thursday. Like 36th Chamber, the, the anniversary, 30th anniversary of, of Wu-Tang's that first is, album.
3: Yes. I want a full yeah. vegan Thanksgiving menu from Xavier. Next.
2: Okay, we're going to work on it. All right, Xavier, we'll see you, buddy. Love you guys. All Love right. you more. Oh, nice. He jumped in. All right, 3 o'clock hour on the way.